Hello and welcome back to the Two Kinky Women podcast, where we dish all about everything kink. I am your co-host, Midnight Lady, and my partner in crime is Mistress Gabrielle. Hello, everybody. So glad you came to join us for another episode of our podcast. Very happy you're here. And uh, while you're listening today, just wanted to say uh, we'd like some questions and comments. If you would, uh, email us at uh, tkw at twokinkywomen.com. That's a numeric two. Again, that's tkw at twokinkywomen.com. And while you're there, sign up for the email newsletter and get your free downloadable Beginner's Guide to Kink and all the other infographics that we have so much fun publishing. ML uh, does have a tremendous amount of fun publishing those graphics, don't you? I enjoy it. Yeah, and uh, I think they're terrific. They really are. So thanks again for being here. And uh, today, ML is going to introduce what our topic is. Yes, so today we're going to do uh, a discussion, a deep dive on edge play and safety. Uh, What is edge play? What does it mean? What do you do? How do you do it? How do you do it safely? So uh, our our guru, Dan Savage, calls it varsity level kink. This is not something that you just do with pickup play in the dungeon. These are intensive uh, activities that are completely doable if you have some time and planning and skills. communication. Skills at it. Skills. Right. And you, I, you uh, tell the DMs that this thing is going to go down. You mean like if you're at a play party or At a play party or an event. event. You let them know that, that edge play is going to take place. Because uh, it's good to communicate, everybody's on the same page, so that they don't suddenly come upon your scene and stop it, because you didn't identify that you were going to do it. Essentially, does that mean that the dungeon monitors will kind of like pay special attention or keep their eye out on what's happening? If you ask them to, yes. If you could say to them, hey, I'm doing fire play, can you stand by with the fire extinguisher, or I'm doing blood play can you stand by with this or you know they can do that if you ask them to but again you have to communicate what your needs are to them or they'll say no i'm sorry we're not allowing fire play in the house and there's usually at at uh at a, at a play party uh, the house rules and at a big event there's going to be rules too yes. and you need to read that stuff and find out what you are allowed and not allowed to do for example at big events, from what my I remember anyway, is at big events, what happens is there's a certain area, like within the bigger dungeon space, where you would do your medical play or where you would do your fire play. Right. Okay, so let's jump right in. Okay. So this is how we're going to frame this. So we're going to save the activity. We're going to give it a, a definition. We're going to tell you what it is. And then we're going to give you a couple of tips to... Uh, how to do it safely because all of these things are definitely doable we just want to do it safely um and so let's start right with uh kidnapping what is what is kidnapping well that's pretty easy to explain what is kidnapping that's taking somebody away from whatever particular moment they were in generally by force 
Okay. Yes. And some sort of, uh, you know, uh, intimidating tactic and uh, picking them up and going away with them. That's and taking them to a, a new location uh, where they'll commence with doing terrible things to them. Now, all of this is pre-negotiated ahead of time. I'm sitting here making faces because I think that it is such a hot scene, the kidnapping. Yes. But... There it's you go. It's all pre-planned. Pre-negotiated, pre-planned. Right. They may not know the exact moment. The, the kidnappee does not know the exact moment when said kidnapping is going to commence. But they have a, a certain amount of awareness that sometime today this thing is going to go down. Sometime in between... 8 p.m. and midnight, this thing is going to commence. So you keep the DMs, let them know what's going on. Your bottom, your kidnappee has agreed to blindfolds, uh, zip ties, and a gag. Or they've agreed to no blindfold, um, a gag, and... um, handcuffs like so all of these bits and pieces of the scene are all pre-negotiated ahead of time or if you have a consensual non-consent relationship with your kidnappee you get to decide because they have given you that consent to take away their consent and you know what the parameters are the allowable parameters yeah so with me like no gags whatsoever ever 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 no totally hard limit so everything else i consent to give you to take away my consent everything but gags right so obviously you're not going to gag me because then that would be an immediate stopping of the scene are most uh, kidnappings um, performed by more than one person? I mean, would you get a group of people together? You could. You Again, could. everybody's in the know, and the kidnappee agrees that Bob, Mary, Joe, and Bob, Rob are, you know, all five of them. Random people are not going to show up unless... That has been consented to ahead of time. Yes, you can use random people to kidnap me with. Because then it'll make it all the more scary. Because they're all strangers to me. Or, no, it can only be people I know. It can only be these three people that I know and trust. And nobody touches my boobs. You know. Other things you could touch, but nobody touches my boobs. So, all of that information... Like I said, this is not pick up play in the dungeon. You can't just uh, arrange this in five minutes. It takes careful consideration and communication. Right. And the thing about this is, too, even after the consideration and communication, it is still, believe it or not, very, very intense. Some people would say, well, if you've all you're all pre-planned ahead of time, everybody knows what's going on. What's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal. Because uh, headspace, it's the headspace, absolutely. And it is our, you know, uh, animal, should we put it that way? Or, you know, our our lizard brains are reacting to this. Flight or fight. Absolutely, without a doubt, even though. Is there going to be a fight? Or are you going to come quietly? Right. That could be also negotiated into the scene. No, you're going to fight like hell. Right. And be overpowered? Or are you going to. 
go submissively and and do that. You know, At a lot of events uh, that I've been to, particularly like camp events and things along those lines, what's happened, uh, which is very interesting, is that there will be an announcement made maybe on a Fed page or the particular little app that you have for this event that there will be a kidnapping at 3 o'clock and whoever wants to come around the fountain outside on the west wing of the hotel just to see what it is we're going to do and as long as you stay quiet and watch what it is we're going if you have that opportunity take it mm. take it it's a really good way to see what's going on and let me also indicate it can really be a lot of fun at least in the beginning and of course <laughs> it depends what you know it's been negotiated are we talking about some kind of torture scene or are we talking about a psychological uh episode that really or- Ravishment? Ravishment, absolutely. There are so many different options. Now, we say ravishment uh, because rape is a horrible crime to women it's, and men. Men are also raped. The, there is a fantasy, though, of being ravished, like by pirates. I like pirates, you yep. know? But it's controlled, consented to, and that makes it not rape. Right. That's when right. It, you're consenting to being ravished Correct. by pirates. Correct. You're, it's not, at that point, it's not rape. That's right. Because it's been consented right. to and negotiated to, and, you know, you can do this and this and this, but not this. Don't touch that. I don't like that, you know. Right. I don't right. like vibrators. Nothing right. vibrating on right. me. That just, I can't stand it. So there are many variations. Right. Okay. So the idea is get accustomed to something along these lines by learning about it, reading about it, whatever it happens to be. Okay. What's next? Yes, we have interrogation. Interrogation. So you've kidnapped the person. You've kidnapped the kidnappy. And and they are now going to be interrogated. So, and I know you love this one. I really do. This is one of my all-time favorites because it really engages my imagination. <laughs> and depending upon who it is that I am uh, interrogating, as it were, uh, it, it really depends on, on, on how far I can go. And generally speaking, go pretty far. Because uh, essentially, if you've got somebody with, consensual non-consent oh boy you could have a tremendous amount of fun i mean you can take an interrogation scene to typical uh, uh erotic torture you can use fiendish means to uh to torture your victim uh you could give them pain you can give them threats to elicit uh, the answers that you want think of a war film or something along those lines uh that's the idea of interrogation uh, having your victim sit in a straight back chair in the middle of the room, uh, naked uh, and restrained with cuffs, rope, whatever the case may be, a blindfold. Um, I, I am <laughs> I'm remembering a terrific scene from a couple of years back. Uh, I had two uh, assistants 
who were going to help with this interrogation. And they were just wild. We just went crazy. We had so much fun. And uh, the thing about it was, uh, essentially, it was more, I want to say, more, more erotic in terms of what it was we were doing, as opposed to, you know, uh, the Torquemada torture example. No, now, that's is, not what we were doing. Some, are there safety concerns with Without a doubt, there what are safety, safety concerns. Essentially, you still got to check in to, with your victim. And this goes for anything. Edge play, not edge play. Whatever you're doing, you still got to check in to your victim. There's no question about it. You're a victim. You're a bottom. You got to. <laughs> For example, you've got this person, okay, sitting restrained in cuffs, ropes, whatever. You got to check circulation. You have to do these things. You have to check in, okay? And you can do it very, very erotically in an interrogation scene, which is, my dear boy, I see you're says, ooh, terribly tied up here. My goodness, are we losing our circulation in our left arm? Would you like me to loosen that for you? Well, I might, but you're going to have to answer the question before that happens. Use your imagination. Have a lot of fun with it. Enjoy yourself. I always think spies. There you go. If you're a spy. Spies are great. Spies are the best. information out of the spy. Absolutely. And if you have, you have a spy kind of situation, what you can do at the outset is to tell your victim, there are six answers for you to give me during this interrogation. That is it. You are not allowed by your government, and your government will disavow any knowledge whatsoever of these activities, should it be informed. The idea being, only tell me your name, the town where you live, what you do for a living, the fact that you uh, have a driver's license, and how's this one? No allergies. And one more, um, how many children do you have? Or did I say that already? No. Okay, how many children do you have? Those are six answers. That is all you are allowed to say, okay? You not cannot tell me, no matter how much I torture you, anything else, okay? That's an agreement. That's the part of a, a negotiation before we get into an interrogation. Then at that point, you know, as well as I do, if I start asking questions like, uh, for example, um, are your parents living? Uh, my name is Samantha. I live in Brooklyn. Are your parents living, Samantha? My name is Samantha. I live in Brooklyn. In other words, whatever, unless, of course, something happens where you are persuaded to tell me about your parents. Okay, that's up to you. But there's so much that we can do in an interrogation scene Use your imagination. Yes, lovely. So much fun. How about something scary like breath play? Oh, for goodness sakes. That, to me, that's a hard limit for me. I won't do breath play. I won't even watch breath play. Yeah, I, uh, I, I find that a hard limit. Also, I will not do it with anyone. I will not um, uh, take those kinds of risks. What kinds of risks? Now, obvious, the obvious risk being... That the person suffocates. Yeah. What you're doing is you're cutting off somebody's oxygen supply. When you cut off somebody's oxygen, oxygen supply, what you're talking about something here is extremely dangerous. Extremely, extremely dangerous. Mm. And even for people who say they know how to do it, they know what to do, and my partner loves it, and this and that, and consider what it is that you are doing. Right. Risk-aware consensual kink. 
mm-hmm. uh, is one thing. Okay, risk aware, consensual kink. We're aware of the risks, but are you aware of the risks that your partner might pass out to the extent and also lose their life? It has happened, I, folks. I think the appeal with it is so dangerous. And I, I, I knew someone that loved it, and they get a euphoria that, that is a high. intoxicating. Yeah. yeah, it's a high. It's almost like um, just, um, it's, uh, taking one of those uh, drugs like an amyl nitrate. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it feels. That is exactly how it feels. And the thing is that uh, it's not amyl nitrate, though. It's actually you choking someone or yeah. you being choked. And the thing is... Uh, What's going to happen? What's what's the line is very thin. It really is. It really is. I don't advise it. It is one of the things that I yeah. think is going too far. There is too much potential for severe damage. For damage. Yeah. You keep somebody under like that and cut off their oxygen supply. I mean, now we're talking about absolutely anything being. I mean, there's happen. a lot of uh, pers- a lot of products, masks, and and things of that nature that you can get that do this exact thing, this breath play. There really is. And there is a lot of... uh, So there's a market for it. There's a tremendous market for it. For example, the body bags Mm. and the uh, hoods that are closed off. Okay. And the thing is, okay, well, it's not really a problem because once he can't breathe, he's going to give me a signal and I'll open it up. Right. What if something happens to you at that moment in time and that you cannot respond to him quickly right. enough? Right. Okay. Oxygen or he passes out before he realizes it's a danger. So oxygen deprivation, what happens? That's called brain damage. Yeah. Okay. Worst case scenario, death. But it's brain damage. I don't think it's worth the risk. Right. I wouldn't do it. And uh, which doesn't mean that people don't do it. They certainly right. do. You will see many, many people, if you look at uh, FET, if you look at anything else for that matter, you're going to see a lot of people, even vanilla, vanilla sex. Mm -hmm. A lot of choking going on with that, okay? I think it is uh, dangerous. It's a dangerous activity, and um, I just don't go for it. I just don't think it's the thing to do. But we're straight shooters here, and we are open to... You know, my kink is okay, your kink is okay, and if that's the choice that you're going to make, then obviously that's your life to make those choices. If you do make that choice, and I am not saying you should make that choice, but if you do make that choice, have somebody else. A spotter. Please, please have a spotter. At the very least, one other person who is not involved in your scene, just watching what's going on in case something happens to you and you cannot release Mm-hmm. Your bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, whoa. So that these these things happen. That is the safety concern. Exactly. The next one that we wanted to discuss is something that I know a great deal about. Um, as a certified hypnotherapist, I I have been trained in hypnosis, and I am well aware of the use of erotic hypnosis. Uh, as it is used in, in kink scenes in the kink community um and as someone i'm not just a lay person dabbling around in erotic hypnosis i am a trained hypnotherapist certified and trained hypnotherapist erotic hypnosis is very can be very dangerous here exactly what is hypnosis have you ever driven in a car 
and you missed your exit because you weren't paying attention. Oh, hell yeah. That is a form of, of hypnosis. Is it really? Yes, they actually call that road hypnosis. Ah, okay. Because you were zened in. You were zoned into not where you are in this present moment. Uh, here's another example of that that I know has happened to me. When I'm talking on the telephone, hands-free, of course, while I'm driving, I yes. always miss, miss my exit. Because you are I'm not, not in the moment. Focusing... And so what a, hypnosis can be very beneficial for uh, managing trauma. Mm. It can be very beneficial to lose weight, stop smoking. You can never hypnotize someone into doing something they wouldn't already do. So all those right. shows that you see where people cluck like chickens and <laughs> feel cold when it's 100 degrees, all of that is all what's called a post-hypnotic subjection. Mm-hmm. Um, with erotic hypnosis, you can give them a post-hypnotic suggestion that every time I whip the chair, it's going to feel like you're being whipped. And I had that done to me. I had my uh, boyfriend at the time was into the That's how I know both ends of it, the clinical side and the sexy side. Right. Um, he did. He gave me a post um hypnotic suggestion he kept my friend Jim was whipping the chair and I'm having a freaking orgasm because it feels like I'm being whipped here is the thing that I cannot stress enough when you start mucking around in people's subconscious you have to be very very careful that you're not unleashing something that is buried a past trauma that the person was unaware of um any kind of, um, if they have any kind of dissociative mm. is- issues, right. dissociation issues, right. that can be triggering for them, especially if they're not aware that they have, that they've been dissociating or have issues with dissociation. You have to be very careful that you are not unleashing a trauma, that they are not so ready how would you to ha- manage. So how actually would you embark upon a, an erotic hypnosis session? This is edge play. You cannot do this shit with some random person that you just met in the dungeon 10 minutes ago. Right. Because you don't know them on a level that makes this risk-aware kink. If you're doing this with a stranger, this is more than risk-aware kink. This is dangerous. It's foolish. It's foolish and it's dangerous. You don't know the person well enough that if they do have a, a dissociative reaction... Or they have a complete and total meltdown and they're now sobbing in a fetal position in the corner of the room. What do you do? Do you right. leave them there? Right. Right. You you anticipated this. So you, erotic hypnosis is not uh, giving somebody a suggestion to lose weight? No. Okay. It is. It can be triggering for them. Right. And you have to have the training to know what to do if you trigger somebody and now they're sobbing in the corner. Or they don't remember who they are because they have dissociated to such a degree that right. you can't get them to come back. So these are just sorts of things that, yes, it sounds erotic and it sounds great and it's wonderful. Oh, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could unleash someone that has a mental health condition that you didn't bother to have a conversation about before you did that. That's... 
those kinds of things. That Let me ask you a question in regards to hypnosis. Is it true that uh, there are some people who cannot be hypnotized, or is any every anyone capable of it? There are varying levels of uh-huh. how well you can be hypnotized. People with dissociative uh, issues, dissociation, are very easily hypnotizable. Uh-huh. I have to be very careful. Yeah. I could be hypnotized from a guy on the TV. Gotcha. Okay. So I have to be more, if I see it on the TV, like right. a TV show or something, I have to be, have my guard up. Because uh, people with association issues ha- have more easier propensity right. um, to, be dissoci- to be hypnotized than people who don't have those sorts of mental health challenges. Right. Okay. Um, so it's not for everybody, that's and for sure. And it's not for everybody. Yeah. And you have to be careful because you don't know. Right. And some so, people don't even know. Now, if you wanted to get into it, to be someone who performed erotic hypnosis on, on their bottom or on a bottom, what would be the steps to take? I would be trained as a hypnotherapist uh, first. Okay. Get the training for be a hypnotherapist first. So reading a short pamphlet or something uh, it, is not no, the way to do it. No, watching it on YouTube is is not going to uh, do it. Um, and you don't even have to set up a shop as a hypnotherapist. You just get some training uh, on how all of that works. And, so if and this is something that the idea of which turns you on yes. and you want to do it, you've got to build that skill set. Education and build the skill yeah. set. All right, so let's move on to knife play. Knife play. See, now this is great. I love knife play. <laughs> It's super scary. Oh, yeah. I'm laughing because, oh, yeah, I'm remembering a particular scene with knife play. But really can be done because if you have, again, the skill set, you can have this this huge, scary, jaded-looking knife. I mean, this thing looks like you're going to carve open a pig with it or something, you know. If you hold the knife in a certain way, that edge is not going to cut the skin. You hold it in one way, oh yeah, it'll slice right through. But if you hold it in a different way, it won't. And there's what you can do if you are afraid, you want to do knife play, but you don't want to be, take the risk. Show them this big, ugly knife, put a blindfold on them, put the big, ugly knife away, take out your little plastic serrated knife, Feels exactly the same. Well, exactly the same, but very similar. And they're blindfolded, so they're not going to know. Perfect thing to do in an interrogation. You can kind of still get that same feeling and the mindfuck of it without actually having to worry so much about the danger of the knife play. You're describing a fabulous scene, which I did a couple years back with a, a boy of mine. Uh, uh, in a private dungeon, which was absolutely terrific. And I got one of my compatriots to work with me, who he was a little little intimidated by. And that was particularly wonderful for this scene. Now, this is, again, uh, you know, uh, non This was consensual, okay, needless to say. But he didn't know exactly what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. But he was very intimidated by my uh, compatriot who came uh, at him with the knife, he saw the knife, and then uh, she put it away. And uh, a little later on, when he was blindfolded, she came back. 
And there you go, boy, what a scene that was. And I want to add that she never even touched him with the real actual knife, but instead was using <laughs> a little wooden skewer just to outline, you know, on the body. It was amazing. It was really amazing. And again, a fabulous technique to use during interrogation. Why is training important with this? Why do we call it edge play? Because the point is people can get hurt. Yes. You have to know what you're doing. You have to be extraordinarily familiar with the tools that yes. you are using. People love knives. You've got to know, is it blunt? Is it not blunt? What am I using? Okay. What if my hand slips? What if something goes wrong? What if my bottom is so freaked or or excited or or whatever the case may be and uh, passes flails, out, flails, 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 flails against the knife or passes out uh, against the knife, whatever the case may be, you've got to be totally aware. Another suggestion, like I said, I had a compatriot in this scene and I suggested again, you need a spotter. A For most aid spotter. Someone Absolutely. And uh, in any kind of a play space, be it a private play space, be it a, uh, an event play space, we're going to have first aid kits. We're going to have, uh, you know, people watching out. You let people know this is what you're doing. Or you ask a friend, come on over, spot and watch this for me, with me, just in case something happens. It is just so smart to be aware of the worst case scenarios when you're playing on the edge. Plan for the worst, or expect the worst, but plan. Yeah, absolutely. For I the think, best. absolutely. Like um, the thing is, is that it's like when you're driving a car, okay? You put your seatbelt on, okay? Uh, and and you're gonna be you're gonna be careful. You're gonna be careful. May I also suggest when you just drive, like I said, using the car. Do not do knife play or any of these other things if you have imbibed alcohol or yeah. have you been vaping uh, cannabis or licit. They may even be licit in some states. <laughs> Point being, you do not want to be impaired. impaired. When you are doing edge play, do not be impaired. Okay. Very, very important. Now, Playing while impaired is a big subject, and we'll go into that later on, uh, perhaps in a different podcast. There are big issues when we talk about it, okay? Particularly uh, as regarding certain um, people in the scene, certain groups within the scene. Uh, so we'll talk about it later. But knife play, anything that has any kind of potential for actual harm, not hurt, harm, is something you will never do while impaired, please. Yes. And the impairment cuts down on your ability to make split-second decisions in an emergency. It, you know, if it takes a split second to make a decision between that person's life or death, and you are too stoned, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Look, he's crashing. He's falling to the ground and there he goes and you're just sort of staring at him. Yeah, oh, should I call somebody for help or maybe <laughs> uh, I maybe, um, maybe go I get snacks. Oh, let me go get a drink of water and then decide. Not good, folks. Right. You have to be split-second decision. Absolutely. Keep this. So, our next uh topic is medical play. Now, what exactly is medical play? What what does that mean? Generally speaking, 
when we talk about medical play as being edge play, we're talking about using blood. We're, we're talking about blood, okay? We're talking about needles. We're talking about the kinds of things that um, mean that blood is going to be drawn. I thought medical play was more a role play where you have like a doctor. Certainly can be. And a, a woman that, that uh, likes fisting. Mm-hmm. And so she's going to be uh, Absolutely. have her sex fisted. Essentially, when we say medical play, when we're talking about uh, blood, bloodletting, things along those lines, generally speaking, it does not have to be within a medical uh, environment, like you don't have to put on your lab coat and pretend you're, uh, you know, in the emergency room. But uh, the idea being that when we say medical, we're essentially going into the body and we're doing things that are not the norm. It's it's risk. It's risky. Okay. When we say medical play and blood play, oh yeah, there could be a difference between the two. Could be a tremendous amount of role play, which is a tremendous amount of fun. Um, you know, putting on the nurse's outfit or the doctor's outfit and calling your little bottom or your victim into the exam room, explaining what's going to happen in the exam room, and you have them disrobe, and maybe uh, another nurse comes in, and this nurse is perhaps a little bit too interested in uh, my half-naked patient on the on the examining table, whatever it happens to be. take your vitals. Right. <laughs> but the edge play aspect of it, of course, is the part where we are um, actually doing things that can uh, cause a problem, danger. Now, the same thing is true. Uh, I mean, if you don't know, if you were doing medical play and you don't know how to do an enema on somebody, don't do it. That's stupid. I mean, you can really have problems. You've got to know what it is that you're doing. You really, really do. Again, I'm going to recommend building up a skill set. And training. And training. Now, at any big event, they usually will have, um, and also some private parties, they'll have a little corner of the room or a corner of the dungeon, whatever it happens to be, where the blood play and medical play is. And the reason is that this is a small area that can be patrolled by the dungeon monitors or particular dungeon monitors who are savvy and ready to locate and know there's something wrong in that particular scene and offer their help. So the idea is it's usually usually more covered than other areas within, within the so dungeon. So this, this also includes, um, I've seen saline solution, Absolutely. Injected. I've seen, um, uh, I saw a scene where they, he put like the pads from a TENS unit right. inside her sex. Right. And then tried to get her to orgasm. Right. Um, enemas. You have yes. to be very careful of the temperature and the salinity level. There you level. go. And the salinity level of the water that you're introducing into his anus. And the other thing is some moron would think it might be a really good idea to use an alcohol enema, which is not a or good a coffee, idea. Or coffee whatever enema. it is. Right. I know I knew someone that used to like to do coffee enemas. Um so again, this is not something you're gonna do. Pick a play in the dungeon. This is risk aware kink with someone that you know well and it's coordinated and negotiated. Um Watch these scenes. Watch them. Watch a lot of them before you decide this is for you. Or attach yourself to somebody where you can be a mentee 
to someone who really knows what we're doing. I have a really good friend in the Philly area who is phenomenal at medical play and does a huge amount of bloodletting and things along those lines. But she's extremely skilled. She knows what to do. She knows what to look for. She also happens to be a registered nurse. Okay. This also includes things like hanging hooks in your back. Absolutely. Um, I did see someone use um, skewers and then they tied a string into the skewers in this guy's back. Um, anything where you break the skin, the surface of the skin, you introduce liquids or, or saline or Or just water. using needles of any kind. Um, Let's be yeah. real in regards to sexually transmitted diseases and... Blood-borne pathogens. Blood-borne pathogens, exactly, which has nothing to do with sexually transmitted. The point being, once you introduce blood into the situation, now we're talking about protective clothing, we're talking about gloves, we're talking about protecting not only yourself, but your bottom as well. So there's a lot to it. This is varsity-level kink. There yeah. is no question about it. Needles are extremely exciting for a lot of people, mm. but if you don't know what you're doing... Please don't do it. Watch, learn, build your skill set. And it's great to try, start out with someone and start out, find someone or, you know, through your education and say, hey, I'd really like to try this. Can I put one or two needles on in your arm? I just want to, I must see what it feels like to do it. They'll probably be like, oh, okay, sure. One or two needles on my arm. Sure. Go ahead. You know, now, and start slow. Right. Don't take out the Mac Daddy barbecue skewers. You know, <laughs> get the little pin. Get a little sewing needle, something, you know, something small. Start People small. describe it as being extraordinarily erotic because the endorphins start uh. moving in there. And uh, it's very, very hot. And a lot of people really like it when you do uh, connect it to the medical uh, yeah. scene, you know, somebody in the nurse's outfit or in the doctor's, uh, you know, uh, so jacket. They love it. Yeah, so let's move on yeah. to another one of my favorites, sensory deprivation. Ooh, tell now, us what more. what does that mean? Well, it's, sense, it's depriving a person of their senses. What does that mean? So you can blindfold them. That's an easy one, blindfolding. Um, cotton balls in the ears or earmuffs or something that blocks hearing or putting earphones on and playing music so that they can't hear anything but the music. May I add something else? This is another fabulous technique for interrogations. Okay. Country music. They don't oh, like country music. I, I, had a, I had a boy that I did this with who was a huge, huge classical music snob. And I put the earphones on him and <laughs> began to blast Yanni, the best of new age music, into those earphones for the next hour. I had this guy eating out of my hand by the end of that particular little scene. It was fabulous. He was going to tell me anything just to get that music, music off. off. But these are wonderful, wonderful techniques that you can use for, you know, more than... More than, for example, the edge play of doing a heavy-duty yeah. sensory deprivation. You can put thing. those gloves on to, so he can't feel anything. Yes. Or you can do the same way we put the earphones on and made him listen to music. You can blindfold him 
Tell him you're going to stick his hands into buckets full of worms or rats or, you know, some other disgusting thing that, you know. Uh, and then you stick his hand into a jar full of gummy worms with water in them, you know, that makes him feel kind of slimy. So, yeah, see all those worms are all moving around in your hands. And, and when he says, excuse me, master, excuse me, master, now I have to go pee. Oh, do you? <laughs> That's too bad. Oh, gee, unfortunate. <laughs> and if you dirty this chair and the floor underneath it? There's going to be serious hell to pay, so Absolutely. you might as well keep that to yourself, Mr. Man. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, there's a lot you can do with sensory deprivation or, as like, sensory activation. Um, tasting. You can keep the mouth closed, or you could force the mouth open and put a little drop of hot sauce on his tongue. Ooh. Um, of, of course, again, all of this is pre-negotiated. Right. Nobody would dare put a sauce, hot sauce in my mouth. Like, that's, that's a hard limit. <laughs> I would say so. But if you have that conversation with them ahead of time, yes, I'm okay with you having me taste certain things. Or I'm okay with putting a gag in my mouth and that see again this has to do with people who have been in a relationship or in a friendship or in some sort of a ship so that uh you are trusted yes okay and if it's non-consensual uh kink non-consensual consensual kink okay the idea is all these things have been spoken about previously right okay and they are in the realm of yeah, I, I, I wouldn't mind that at all. Maybe you have filled out a questionnaire. Yes. Okay. And if you sign up for the email, you get a free Beginner's Guide to Kink, which has a questionnaire. Well, there you go. So once you've filled out your questionnaire, it's pretty obvious what you will and will not uh, to agree and to. What, and the questionnaire even has what you might want to do or have an interest in. Right. So that if right. the situation presents right. itself and you can learn a little bit about figging or different, you know, things. Um, so with- consensual non-consent essentially is something that does not happen with pickup play. Let's no, put it that way. No. Consensual is, non-consent, again, you got to know who you're dealing with. Long-term partner. That's right. That you're quite aware of what's going on with that partner. Right. They're aware of what's going right. on with you. So we have one more. Oh, I have a couple more, but go ahead. Well, we're running a little short Are on we time really? because we do have some other things that we want to discuss oh. about how to manage consent violations. Okay, because you know which one I wanted to bring up, All which right, I which thought one? was really, really, really important, which was electrical play. Oh, right. We missed that one. So yeah. let's talk about that. Very, very important. Now, I have a friend. i got a lot of friends. i got a friend who's an electrical engineer. And uh, this this fella, I've known him for many, many years, this fella would just essentially do anything except electrical play. And I said one time, John, why won't you do electrical play? It looks like so much fun. And he said to me, I am an electrical engineer. I know what electricity can do. All right. Mm. If anybody has physical issues or a pacemaker or any of those kinds of things, when I say physical Okay, issues. That's what we're talking about here, okay? We're talking about something that can keep somebody from breathing. We can talk about cause a very serious injury to that person. You've got to know the person you are playing with. This goes, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of electrical play, any violet wand. 
A violet wand, as innocuous as you might think it is, is not something to be played with with somebody you don't know. That's my gut feeling. You may feel differently. Sorry. I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's foolish. You need to know these people. And again, this is a situation you have got to have a spotter, at least one. Okay? There are very, very intensive uh, electrical play scenarios. Very intensive. And the thing is, if you are to use something like this, you need to know, okay? How to do it. Not only how to do it, but what the worst case scenario can be and how to avoid that. Again, we're going to emphasize to build your skill set. You've got to. These are important things. Other than that, the only other one that we did not mention was suspension and rigging. And one more. Yeah. Fire play. Fire play. And what is fire play? No, you do not set your top on fire like they do in the movies and he runs out the window and, you know, crashes in. No. Fire play could be cupping, um, which is where they heat the air inside of a glass bulb. And they sip the bulb and then the suction pulls the skin up and it's supposed to be very uh, euphoric. Right, and it's a holistic medical uh, process yes. as well. So you can include that in medical play but if you felt like also, it. Also, um, you light the, the, you, the glass. You light the glass. Right. You know, you put and then um, there's that. But there's also, I've seen where they actually use a certain percentage of alcohol. That's right. Like a certain... And you've got to know what that percentage is. The right percentage. That's correct. And you put it on their skin, and then you light it, and then you douse it. Right. You've got to know how to do that. It's a question of, you know, if you are right-handed, and you're going to light it with the left and with the right arm, you are going to smooth that right off. Right. That fire starts, you're going to smooth that right off, right away, and keep the oxygen from feeding that flame. You've got to have a spotter, more than one preferably, and a fire extinguisher. A fire extinguisher and other safety things. Put that hair up in a ponytail. Do not be wearing cotton panties. Don't wear cotton panties. That's a good one. Don't wear cotton panties. Don't wear any panties. Go naked. Polyester. Don't. Don't wear anything that can catch fire and burn. Um, again, this is not something pickup play in the dungeon. It can also intimidate people to a tremendous extent. Oh, I yes. remember doing a demo at a swingers club uh, with fire play, and these people just totally freaked out, and, and, and everybody left the demo. Uh, it hadn't even been going on for more than five minutes. It's very intimidating. It is an intense intense situation you must have the right equipment you've got to have the fire extinguisher a bucket of water and never hurts and training another one where your skill set is going to be huge you go to these events people will be selling the paraphernalia to do fire play if you don't know what it is that you're doing or if you don't have anyone to teach you leave that alone until until you can find someone absolutely. to mentor you. Absolutely. And in terms of the suspension and rigging, I would like to say that's exactly the same thing. We can do a lot of damage to someone if you don't know what you're doing in terms of suspension. When someone is, when you say to somebody in the scene, oh, you're a great rigger, what that means is you know how to set it up with the rope, with the suspension of your bottom, so that you're not going to hurt them. Well, 
So you're not going to harm them. Torn shoulder uh, exactly. muscles. And, exactly. Yeah. And you've got to have And they're really, not going to fall. Right. You've got to have a good feel for, say, for example, the weight of your bottom, mm. you know, and what kind of ropes to use. Again, find yourself a mentor. Watch these scenes. If rope is something that fascinates you, then learn everything you can about it. If rigging is something that fascinates you in terms of suspension, learn what it is. And there's nothing that says that you want to be a rigger, you want to be the top, that you can't get tied up a couple of times. I suggest it. And feel see what it feels like from the bottom's view, from I the, suggest the bottom's it. opinion. Right. So you can then have that knowledge. Right. Oh, it gets a little tight around this section. Let's keep an eye on that. Or it gets a little tight on that section. And always, for the love of God, people, check for circulation. Make sure that they're not losing circulation in parts of their bodies, like extremities, like their fingers and their toes. And Absolutely. Um, nerve damage can happen if you cut off the circulation for too long. And if you learn how to string somebody up, you better learn how to get them down. Quickly. Safety scissors. The other thing, too, is to watch out with what's happening. I mean, you don't want, you know, your, your, your bottom, who has just been suspended... Uh, to uh, come down head first. You got to be careful with this stuff. Watch them. Get yourself a, a mentor uh, and learn everything that you can. So I think uh, the next thing that, that we want to talk about in the last few minutes is you did the scene, the edge play, um, but there was, let's say, a consent violation. What is a consent violation? You uh, set up a kidnapping and ravishment scene, but you said, nobody touches my breasts. You could touch everything else, but nobody touches my breasts. And what happens? Halfway through the scene, somebody gropes you. How do you come back? Like, what do you do in that moment that someone's now groping your breasts? It was a hard limit. What's the what's the plan? What do we do at that point when someone breaks a consent? Essentially, you know, you can push limits until you reach that moment before you have a consent violation. Consent violation is just what it is. You didn't say it was okay. You did not agree to it. That's a consent violation. So what do you do? You stop the scene. That's what you have to do. No matter what scene you're in, edge play, consensual non-consent, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You may just be uh, uh, doing uh, uh, some very light caning. It does not matter what it is you're doing. When the bottom says red, it's over. That's it. There's a consent violation within a scene. Stop the scene. It's up to you as the bottom to do that. Now, if you have a top who is aware of what's going on, and it's very, it's not so easy to be a top, okay? It's a lot of work involved. You have to be aware of all the things that are happening mm-hmm. while you're in quote-unquote top space yourself, okay? Yep. So you have to be aware of this. You've got to keep your own head on. Again, another reason why we don't do any of these things while we're impaired, okay? Because you need to be present in that moment when someone is being taken to the edge. There is no question about it. So you got to stop the scene. Now, what you do after that is up to you as the bottom. 
there was a consent violation, you want to report it. I mean, that's up to you. You want to do whatever. Talk to your top and decide what it is you want to do. Either talk to them or don't talk to them, whatever. Okay? Do you want to take it farther? Now, in a lot of uh, events, there will be, generally speaking, um, not all, but some, uh, there will be, generally speaking, a couple of people who are either uh, oh, uh, uh, mediators mm. or even uh, a couple of people who are psychologists within the scene or whatever, and they are the group who would like to hear about any kind of consent violations should you wish to go there. There are other people with a consent violation who go directly to the police. Mm. Okay? Generally speaking, what happens within a group event or within a house party or whatever, people like to keep it there and mm. solve it right then and there. Sometimes that's not possible. It's a very personal decision where you want to go with a consent violation. Some people figure, oh, it's no big deal. Whatever. Who cares? I mean, really. You know? Other people are very very upset and totally bent out of shape and they want some sort of resolution or some kind of something. So when you have this consent violation and now the bottom is triggered, the bottom is having a major meltdown, triggered, how do we address that? How do we manage that as the top, or have we managed that as the bottom? Well, as a loving dominant, and that's that's uh, that's kind of like our uh, example, right? As a loving dominant, you were going to do aftercare anyway, to some extent, and that's what you're doing right now. So, even before the scene starts, you can have a conversation with the bottom, saying, "What does aftercare look like for you?" Absolutely. Oh, you like a glass of water and, and a cookie? Mm-hmm. Or you like a piece of candy, or you like to sit in and snuggle in a blanket, or what does aftercare look like for you? So worst case scenario, and we do some of this edge play with your partner, um, and something triggers them that is unexpected, because right. that's what we do, shit right. happens. Um, you already know, okay, she's freaking out. She needs to cuddle and she and with her blanket and her teddy bear or a piece of candy or, you know, because my blood sugar drops when I play. Right. So I have a little backpack full of starbursts. Right. If you see me shaking, give me a, give me a starburst right. and I'm right back in the right. game. Right. So, and I tell the people that I'm playing with, hey, this is, could happen. Most likely will happen. Here's how to fix it and we're good to go. Right. Right, very important. Because I'm conscientious as a bottom for my top. Exactly. And as a top, you're going to have to be very conscientious for your body. If there was a consent violation, I would say stop the scene, be with your person, provide some aftercare, start talking, maybe not right away, maybe in 10 minutes or whatever the case may be. You know, just quiet down, calm. You know, you are safe. I am here. You are safe. And we'll talk in a few minutes about what it is we want to do. But right now, let's just... Be and and bring them back to normal stasis. There you go. And then decide what you want to do. Decide where it's going to go. Right. I feel that let's say it was the third person in the scene that did the consent violation. You, as the top, need to go back to that person and say, "Dude, hey, look, 
you did this. We agreed that was not going to be a thing that you were going to do. And you did it. What's up? Oh, I didn't know. You know, and you have that conversation, you know, and if they try and skirt responsibility, well, that's valuable information and you never play with that person right. again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Without a doubt. Listen, edge play is extremely subjective yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. there's no question about it. Some people might say, well, if you were so into having me do this, that, and everything else, now you're complaining about the fact somebody touched your left breast. It doesn't make any sense. You have a right to approve everything that's going on, okay? And because we're talking about this is not for brand new players, okay? You know uh, your top and your bottom. You know yourself and your partner, whether they be on the top or bottom. And uh, you take it from there. You just take it from there. You gotta watch out. There's no question about it, okay? Well, we covered so much information in a scant hour. So uh, let's just wrap up. We talked about all the different types of edge play. Not all of them, but a lot of the more popular uh, edge play uh, things. We talked about communication and um, how to do all of these things safely. Uh, most of these things uh, safely. Some things we said very uh, challenging to pull off safely. Uh, so if you have any questions or comments and want to begin this conversation with us about anything you've heard, you want more information, please feel free to email us again at um, tkw at twokinkywomen.com. That's tkw at two, the numeric two, kinkywomen.com. Um, I just wanted to mention one other thing when we just to close this whole idea of edge play. It just occurred to me that you are the only person who could determine what edge play is for you. My edge play could be your normal or vice versa. Yes. So you're the only one who can do it and you can always stop what's going on. So, yeah, you can find us at our homepage at twokinkywomenpodcast.com. Two numeric. Right? Yeah. Read our diary. Ooh, you got to read some of these diaries. They're just phenomenal. We I just, have the podcast oh, diary. Oh, yeah. And we have the mistresses diary. Yes, we do. We do. And it's just terrific. And uh, don't forget, we've got a uh, free infographic every month, which is available. You can download that. And that's pretty darn good, I must say. In case you don't have time to listen, we'll give yeah. you the top five things that's that you right. need to remember from that's this right. episode. But we do hope you will listen. And we do hope that you'll send us some questions and comments or just uh, a congratulations or uh, whatever. It's, yeah, we want to hear from you, right? Absolutely. Because we, we are two kinky, kinky women, women. And we want you. <laughs> you. To be kinky, kinky too. too. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. <laughs>